understand some people think there's a lot of hype going on with it and that it's maybe being put out there as more than it is. But I think that we should be cautious. We do have a really vulnerable population in West Virginia. And it's so, the things that we need to do are not that difficult. I mean, stay home. If people stay home, people, you don't get it, right? If you're not out there and you're not exposed to it, you're not going to get it. From Grafton, West Virginia, this is the Living Unleashed podcast. Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, I'm Alex Renneman with Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with West Virginia House Majority Leader Amy Summers. Amy, thanks for coming on the program. You're welcome, Alex. Pleasure to be here. So obviously the topic of this is COVID-19 and what's happening in our state and in our community. You have a unique role here. I mean, you, have, you have lots of roles, lots of facets. I think where, where COVID-19 might be affecting you, whether it's uh, the majority leader we just mentioned, a delegate for our district in the 49th, um, an ER nurse and, and more. Um, but let's start with your role as a nurse. Um, can you tell us a little about what role you do play in healthcare? Actually, Alex, I feel like I have two roles right now. One is working on the front lines in the emergency department, taking care of patients, all kinds of patients, but also an influx of patients that are worried or concerned or showing symptoms of COVID-19. So that's my, that is my day job. That is what I do for a living. But also there is a role that I think is really beneficial to the state of West Virginia in that Myself as the House Majority Leader being a nurse, and the Senate Majority Leader is a physician, Dr. Tom Takubo, and he's actually a pulmonologist working in the ICU. Wow. So from that perspective, you have two leaders in West Virginia who have healthcare backgrounds, which is really relevant and important at this time, what we can do when we're crafting policies and evaluating how this has impacted our state, what are we doing right, what are we doing, what do we need to do better? We will both have good insight into how those decisions actually impact what's going on. Sometimes lawmakers will make decisions, you know, that they think are going to make a difference, but do they really? So I feel like we'll have good insight into that to know what really will help improve or make the process better in the future. Yeah, that's great. So what is, you know, COVID-19 from your perspective? The tough thing about this is it's a brand new virus that nobody has any immunity to, and that's why it's scary. We are doing our best in you know, the nation and in the world to try to come up with vaccines, to try to come up with treatments. We have medications that we're looking at that are be being effective for some patients. So how do we approach that? I think we need to approach that seriously. I understand some people think there's a lot of hype going on with it and that it's maybe being put out there as more than it is, but I think that we should be cautious. We do have a really vulnerable population in West Virginia, and it's so, the things that we need to do are not that difficult. I mean, stay home. If people stay home, people, you don't get it, right? If you're not out there and you're not exposed to it, you're not going to get it. So it's making a difference. Washing your hands after you touch, if you got a package or you got the mail, washing your hands, 
don't touch your face because the virus on your hand, when you touch your eyes, your nose, your mouth, it has an entryway into your body then. So, so many simple things we can do. Stay six feet away from people. So if they cough or they have any type of respiratory droplet, you're not going to come in contact with it. But it matters. Our, our population's older. Our population is sicker. And we want to protect our people. So I think no matter what your feeling is on that, we need to be cautious. Yeah, I think that's why it's so funny. Um, I wash my hands a ton because what, if I, but before COVID-19, I'd interview people, never would I want to touch my face. Just a minute ago, I had to scratch my, it's the weird, it's like I want my hands on my face. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's the, the psychological games of playing this. But I think that's really wise. I mean, the fact is, you know, we've got these simple guidelines. Um, following them can make a huge difference. What do you see? So as of time of recording of this on, on March 29th on Sunday, thank you for coming on a beautiful, beautiful Sunday afternoon to You're talk well to me. Um, but as, as we are recording, we still have a minor amount of cases. Now they're growing, but, but in West Virginia, we have a minor amount. So what are you seeing in your ER today? And then what are you expecting? What are you, what are you, what are you all, your team anticipating seeing soon? We are expecting, of course, that we will see more cases. We will have deaths in West Virginia. That is inevitable with this disease. That's going to happen. But what I'm seeing and what I'm so excited about, about our community and other people in West Virginia, is they're paying attention to the needs of the healthcare system. We are able currently to manage the number of cases that we're seeing. But if we get a big spike, we're not going to be able to care for everyone's loved ones in, a, in as good a way as that we want to. So it's working what we're doing right now. So I think we just need to stay the course another week, another two weeks and reevaluate what we're doing and just be careful. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I know there are always going to be some knuckleheads here or there, but well, you look around our community, people um, really are stepping up. I mean, I, I've said this before in other interviews, I had never missed a chance to say it. West Virginians take care of each other. And, and this they is do. the one way this is not having to go way out of your way to take care of your neighbor. Um, it's, it's, you know, staying home and, you know, it's good to check on your neighbors, obviously, but, but uh, from, from the road, right? <laughs> wave high and make sure they have everything they need. There's always a telephone and whatnot. Um, yeah. I'm finding, I'm finding it personally really hard not to see my mother, Yeah, but she's older and she is being really smart about this. I'm getting her groceries. I'm leaving them on the porch. We're waving through the door but she knows she doesn't get sick if she's not around it. So, but it's tough it's yeah. on the older population, I think, especially. We, we just visited my mom and dad um, and brought the kids, but we stayed, we stayed outside and um, it was nice to see them. It was kind of hard on the kids, probably hard on mom and dad, but it was also nice to be able to see each other anyway, but we kept distance. Um, I just, cause it's too, it's, it's not worth, it's not worth the risk uh, for short term. We can all, we can all weather through this. Hey, as a nurse, and you may have already mentioned it as a nurse, what, and, and other, you know, what do you, what are you asking us? Is it, is it just stay home, follow the guidelines, wash your hands? Is that really what you're asking? Are there other things that you, that we could do to make your life easier now or potentially in the future? Of course, follow all those things that Dr. Bender's been reiterating that, that I spoke of, but a couple other things. One is, if you don't need to come to the hospital, if you've had a backache for a year, today's not the day to come. There are so many things that people come to emergency rooms for that they don't really need to, and now's the time where we need people to be extra aware of that and not come, not only because we we're busy taking care of these people that think that they have COVID-19, but also we don't want you to get sick. You're coming to a risky environment when you come to the hospital. So we're limiting visitors. It's, it's, 
it's really tough. And the second thing is some employers are sending their employees to the hospital just to have them checked out, just to make sure they don't have COVID-19 because maybe they work with children, maybe they work in areas that they're concerned about, but coming to the emergency department is not the way to handle that either. You need to be able to call Grafton City Hospital, 2650400, or if you're part of the WVU Medicine um, network, you can call 5986000, option four. That way you get connected to healthcare personnel who can screen you, can get you directed to testing, and then you have to quarantine yourself. If you really think that you maybe are, maybe have, maybe were exposed or are sick, that's what you have to do. You have to stay home unless you're so sick that you need medical treatment. Yeah, that's really good. In, in absence of widespread testing, don't go anywhere. Call. Always call, right? So call first. Call the numbers. If the symptoms are there, whoever you're talking to will advise you to go to a testing location potentially or, or have some other advice, but, but don't show up at the ER. That's it's really good uh, advice. And if, if you're short of breath and you are having these symptoms that require our treatment, of course come. If you need to call 911, of course do that. Or if someone drives you in, a lot of places we're screening now before you even enter the hospital to make sure that we get you in the right, the right place. But those are just a couple additional things that would be helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, it's really good to point out the fact you're coming into a more high risk area anyway, right? So we've always think about all oh, the healthcare workers, let's not make them, let's not burden them. But at the same time, you're risking yourself by going into that more uh, risky environment in terms of folks that may have it. So that's a really good, uh, yeah. good perspective. Hey, as, as a delegate, kind of as, as we look at that role that you, that the hat that you wear, um, you guys were in session when this was just kind of starting to hit the news cycle and whatnot. Um, can you just share a little bit about what the, what the conversations were, the experience? I mean, that, Obviously, that, that kind of gathering is a hotbed, and or obviously you guys dispersed before things got too serious, but, but can you just kind of walk us through what that was like? Luckily, I hate to say this, but because of our flooding experience we had a couple years ago, we've been talking about emergency preparedness for the last several years. We've been building up our rainy day fund for emergencies for a rainy day like this. And we're over, I think, $850 million that we've been saving up. And last year, in fact, we put the fourth largest amount of money ever in there at $39 million. So we've been saving up money for these type of incidences, making sure that our budgets are well equipped to handle this type of thing. And in the, now you will see a little political maneuvering on um, coronavirus funding and the House uh, people made an amendment to our budget for that. And of course, we all voted against it because it was already in the Senate's budget. But you'll see those. That'll come out in politics, right? You voted no against coronavirus funding. But that's just how the game, I hate to say, is played. But there is funding in, in our budget for that, an additional $2 million to go towards the Governor's Civil Contingency Fund, which already has, I believe, $53 million in it that he can use with not much oversight um, to address these type of emergency things that occur in our state. So and maybe maybe that's what we're talking about. So so obviously we're we're on the Sunday after the the Friday that they just passed at the federal level that they just passed the CARES Act, um, and you just mentioned a lot of stuff. So it seems like there there's not really a need at this moment that we know of for the legislature to to reconvene either virtually or otherwise to pass anything like that. Or is there or or do we think that there may be something like that in the near future? Down the road, the legislator the legislative branches. Responsibilities are, of course, to pass laws and appropriate money. 
So when the time comes that we need to appropriate money, we will do that and we'll go in. But as of right now, we're staying away from the Capitol. The last thing we want to do is bring 134 people into one location with all of our staff from all over different parts of the states, get together in close quarters and then have them disperse out. So we are trying to follow the example that everyone else is setting and that the medical community wants us to follow. But at some point, because you know we have really stepped up our unemployment compensation for people. We took away the one week waiting period. We took away that you have to be looking for work. A lot of those requirements we used to have. So we have a hundred, these are all like approximate numbers, but say around $150 million in our unemployment fund. We will have to go in at some point, Secretary Gonch has explained to us, once we reach a $75 million threshold, we'll need to go in and appropriate more money to that fund. And that will be our role that we will do that. Yeah, makes sense. So there are some in certain circles here or there um, that are, you know, and you mentioned this earlier, that are claiming it's overblown, maybe even claiming it's a hoax, not wanting to follow the guidelines. I get, I look, I, I get the feeling of, the media is overblowing this, but, but, but there's also the, the fact that, so, I mean, the truth is somewhere in the middle, the guidelines are there as majority leader. Um, what do you say, what, what perspective can you offer to, 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 to those folks who are saying, wait a minute, this is a, some trumped up, trumped up agenda, not no pun intended with Trump's not, but you know, political, <laughs> yeah, it's no, a political it's, agenda. It's a right, it's a left, it's a, all this kind of thing. You are the, the senior, well, the, the, the leading right, the, the leading Republican in the state. What, what can you say around the legitimacy of the actions we need to take? And I know we covered some of that earlier, but from that well, role's perspective. I, I do understand, Alex, how sometimes people come to those conclusions. In 2009, we did have the swine flu. 61 million people had that. And now what do we have in the world? A half a million people with coronavirus. So I, I can see where they're making some correlations. We had 12 thousand deaths, I think, with that. And they weren't seeing that same hype then. It's an election year. Are some of these factors playing in? They probably are. But let's err on the side of caution. This is not that hard to stay home, to do these things that we're asking people to do. It is hard on these small businesses. It is hard on those people that you know, our waiting tables are earning their money from getting tips. These people are really suffering. So we don't want this to go on for any longer than it has to. But I feel like the next week or two, we're going to see what's happening in West Virginia. And then we can start easing off some of those things as we feel more comfortable with our healthcare system and how we're managing this. I think we should err on the side of caution. I think we should just be careful hoax, not hoax, no matter what. We don't want people to be sick. We want our people to be healthy and well. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, I think that's good. With, you know, and I, and I get the sensitivity with Easter coming. People would love the symbolism of that, being able to come back and, and, and meet together and those things. Um, but, but it does seem, you know, that, that would be a little premature, right? I mean, so we do want to, we want to let the, the data and the information drive our decisions, right? I mean, that's what I'm hearing you say, basically. Let's, let's follow the guidelines right now and let's see Week by week, really. I mean, it's day by day almost at this point, or yeah, hour Easter's, by hour. Even. Easter's two weeks away. Things could be different by then. Maybe they aren't. So we'll just have to, time will tell, and we will start, start loosening some things that we're doing on a state level as we see the data emerge. Yep. So as we, as we move from one hat to the other to the other, you are a mother, a wife. You mentioned your about daughter with your mother. 
farmer, you got all these other things. So what are you doing during this season of isolation uh, to try to get through? And what things are you concerned about, tips you can have, whatever, whatever it may be? What I'm finding is we definitely have to make sure we're doing everything we can for broadband in West Virginia because this is, <laughs> yeah. well, are staying connected. And we really have been over the last, the last three years, every year we have a bill trying to expand broadband. What can we do to get government out of the way for that to allow um, people to come in and just be able to do that the best they can, giving, getting grants. In fact, um, there's an area in Taylor County, like 294 homes that have no internet are going to get it in the next year, year and a half. But that's, that's a long time when right now with all this social isolation, people are staying connected through social media. And we connected, it was my daughter's birthday, and one of my daughters lives in Los Angeles, of course, which is a hotbed for this right now. So concerning, what if she was sick? Could I go see her? Are hospitals allowing visitors? I mean, that's a little bit frightening right now, but she's staying in, she's being safe, she's doing all the right kind of things. So that's, that's encouraging. But we did like a video teleconference, like all of us together, and it really made everybody feel good. But I think we have to be worried about people right now with isolation and mental health issues. You know, in West Virginia, we have a real problem with substance abuse. We have a real problem with anxiety and depression and suicide. So I want to make sure people know that they can call 844-H-E-L-P, number four, West Virginia, if you are feeling in any way having any kind of mental health care crisis, because it's going to be exasper exacerbated, I'm afraid, with this isolation for some people. That's a really good point. I mean, that's a, that's a challenge every day and even more so now with the extra weight and the anxiety, the isolation, all that comes with, yeah. uh, with this, this kind of thing that's hanging over us, this COVID-19 thing. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I, and I like to ask people because there's always, there's always things we can be grateful uh, through, through the process. There's always silver linings in any challenge. You mentioned the flood, uh, as bad as that was, also allowed uh, us to sharpen the saw down at the legislature to have things in place. What are you seeing that may come out as a positive outcome of this kind of horrible uh, virus that's, that's taken the world by storm? I think there's a lot of opportunities here for people to show their true character and to love one another and realize what's really important in life. And some of the things that we thought were so important that aren't, that we spent a lot of time doing. And I just, the good's gonna come out in people and also, from the government standpoint, we're going to learn from this. What can we do better? We did that with the flood. We are going to have a, we're getting $1.25 billion in West Virginia from the federal government. We'll have a task force with that as well to follow the money to make sure we found, right, with the flooding, we had concerns about the way the money was being spent. How is that money being spent? Is it getting down to everyday citizens, everyday small businesses that need help? that need to survive through this, this crisis that we're having. So we'll find those opportunities. We'll make sure things are done better in the future. We'll probably learn that we need to stock more um, protective equipment for people in times such as this. We're okay right now where I work, but over time, if we get more and more patients, that will become thin as it is in some of the other states. But I just, I think we're gonna see the goodness in people and the love for our neighbors that that we've always had, but we're expressing that a little bit more right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Amy. 
Amy Summers, West Virginia House Majority Leader um, and uh, mother, farmer, all these things. But most importantly, right now, ER nurse. And we thank yeah. you for all you're doing in that role and all those roles. Um, but uh, we hope that you aren't called upon with a huge surge. We hope it's just, we, we hope we're doing the right things. We hope we can snuff this thing out and manage it well. But I really appreciate you taking some time out of the very little bit of downtime you may have had this week to sit with me and the rest of us and, and share your, your uh, insights. So thank you very much and, and good luck. And, and let us know if you have any information or new things. We're happy to bring you back on and uh, just get the word out to folks. You're welcome. And anytime you need to talk to me, please just reach out. Great. Thanks, Amy. Bye.